and gentlemen, to another episode of What Are The Odds? So before we start, big shout out to our sponsors, The Yorkshire Hotel. Hit them up all football season long. We're reaching that awkward middle point of the season. Bye weeks. Bye weeks. Niggles to carry. Motivation kind of gets a little bit lower during the weeks in between training sessions. It's a bit colder, it's a bit wetter. So do yourself a favour, skip the home prep, go get some food with your teammates. Have a little lock-in, perhaps, down at Yorkshire and make sure the morale is kicking all season long. Also check out all of our cool content on Sporting Chance magazine. All right, on with the pod, and we're going to get straight into Coach's Corner, and that means we need to talk about this team. And by popular demand, we've had people flood into our DMs, spam us on Facebook, hit us up on Twitter saying, you need to start talking about the Ds because they are legit. This is what the Ds have been doing. It's apparently meant to be a high-flying flag down there, and it certainly is the last five games. On average, they're scoring 133 points, a winning average margin of 69 points. They absolutely destroyed Adelaide. They haven't lost since round five. Their last five weeks have been five wins, zero losses, at 207%. That is the best in club history since 1987. They have kicked the three highest scores this season, up to round 10, obviously, the first time that's been done since Geelong in 1992. They've won a consecutive 18 quarters, the first time since Geelong in 2008. It's the first time in their 2,384-game history that Melbourne have won three consecutive games by over 60 points. And nearly every ranking system has them as the top team in the comp as we speak. They're also pretty much leading every match stat in the last five weeks, everything from kicking efficiency, disposal efficiency, inside 50 efficiency, clearance differential, goals per inside 50, points, intercept points, clearance points, defensive halves to score transitions, and one-on-one wins. They have the highest inside 50 ratio. They had the highest, uh, their biggest inside 50 difference. They've got Max Gorn as the best ruck. They've got Clayton Oliver screaming up the leadership board. All of their key forwards are kicking two goals a game. But... Baz. Yeah, mate. Are they real? Do you rate them? Well, I rated them last year, and look how that ended up for me, didn't it? End up looking like an absolute fool. And so far, I haven't really played anyone. So I'm not going to fully jump on the bandwagon just yet. But prior to round five, before they played Richmond, after they lost to Hawthorne, we had a bit of a chat about them and where they were going wrong. Mm-hmm. And we, we, brought, we brought up... Two points. One was their midfield wasn't connecting with Gorney. Since the, since then, that's really started to happen, especially now that Rachel's back and um, Oliver's playing some good footy and obviously Sam's back and everyone's... You know, no one's carrying any injuries at the moment. They've got a pretty good fresh list and they've obviously got Viney back as well. But the biggest in, and we spoke about this, was their forward line was not working and it meant Hogan had to push up the ground a bit more. Well, guess who's been there for the last five games? He's, kicking, he's already kicked 15 goals, an average of three goals a game, obviously. Tom McDonald. Yep. He straightens them up. He does that role really, really well. He's an elite runner. He, you know, he's a free agent to the end of this year. So they've obviously fixed up their little flaws that they had. But for me, they haven't played anyone yet, and they won't play anyone probably the next two weeks either. So I know they've played Adelaide, but you know, we beat Adelaide, and that shows you how good Adelaide travelling. They've got lots of injuries. I probably didn't see him beating them by that much either, but you know, we've been sucked in this before. Last year they were fifth for a while during the season. Everyone thought the same thing. They said the same thing. You know, Nathan Jones has come out today saying that they're a premiership chance and they should be aiming for a premiership. 
everyone's sold on there. And we've talked about their media presence. And, uh, you know, the last two or three weeks, it's starting to come out again. You know, that whole... Yeah, it just doesn't sit well with me. And, you know, they're probably going to beat the Doggies. I'll probably beat Collingwood. But until they play someone and beat someone of substance, they beat a West Coast, they beat a Richmond, they beat, you know, someone else in the top four. You know, I, yeah, people are saying also they beat North. North Melbourne are this year's, uh, probably last year's St Kilda. You know, the, the senior players standing up, the, the young guys are doing all right. But North Melbourne aren't that good. And you'll see that next year when the senior players drop off. Or even later on in the year, they'll fall away. So you, you said they haven't played anyone in the last five weeks, and that's true to an extent. So their scalps have been Essendon, yeah. which at the time were pretty bad. And then they played St Kilda, Gold Coast, Carlton, Adelaide. But again, based on last week, I introduced the thing called adjusted margin. So you take the strength of the team and then you adjust the margin to yeah to account for if your team's, the team you're playing against is any good or not. And based on all of that, their margins have still been huge. So it wasn't like they beat a team by 60 and that was so poor... That like it was only worth twenty points. Look, Most of the time, they 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 whopped teams. They beat Carlton by a hundred points. Yeah, like, that's like fine. they're clearly that's fine. they're clearly doing all right. So my they're, question they're here, going, my question here they're is they're going well. My question they're here on is shit like, list. So they've got to do more <laughs> than just win against a couple of lowly teams. They didn't just win though. They they had like their greatest winning margin. Get on them. Like that's like Geelong S. They'll probably lose to Western Wells this week. And they'll be like, oh, we over, we should have got this one wrong, didn't we? So you can't you can't look at this rationally. You can't. No, not after last year. Not after the start of this year. I cannot look at this rationally until they beat someone, and I go, all right, no worries. I'll jump on, and then they'll probably lose every week again, like they did last year. And I was sitting fifth, and we're shooing to make the eight, and they all talking it up down at Melbourne Town, and they got done. And then start of this year, they all talked it up again, you know, and then they got done and done, and then they've been quiet for a few weeks, but they've won now five games, and now their captain's coming out going, oh, we're going to win the flag, we're Premiership contenders, blah blah blah, because we're top four. Well, I've seen this before. All right, so to get into some rational points before we move on, the start of the year we were concerned that they leaked too many goals in massive chunks, and that's when Gary Lyon, who now is very happy about the old Ds, was saying that they were woeful, they were disgusting, he was embarrassed by their brand. They were leaking like seven goals in a row, eight goals in a row, nine goals in a row. They obviously haven't played anyone that's going to do that to them. So is that problem fixed, or is it just that, you know, a goal post and a Carlton can't... They've got their midfield balance a lot better, and... Their back line's a lot more settled as well. Lever's obviously getting more time and space. The teams aren't putting as much work into him for some reason. So he's able to get back. Like, there's no no coincidence that his best footy's been played lately when Melbourne have been winning. But yeah, the midfield balance is a lot better, which means the ball's being pressured a lot more when it's going inside the defensive 50. It's not going in really, really easy as it was at the start of the year. And it helps when their four line's functioning pretty well, as well too because, you know... Teams have to go, all right, well, now they can kick a score. We've got to worry about defending as well. We can't just go flat-out attack. So, look, the four-line's functioning well, and it helps Jesse Hogan having a big body down there like Tom McDonald, who's a pretty good footballer. And it also helps that their midfield now is starting to get the click going. You know, like I said, Gorn's been more effective. He had a pretty rough start to the year, but the last few weeks have been really, really good. And, you know, him and uh, Clayton Oliver are starting to get that real connect going. And so, so same with Brayshaw and Viney being back in. I think Salem's having a good year as well. He's probably having his best year since he's been drafted. He's you know, obviously had some issues, health issues and stuff he's getting over. And yeah, like Alex Neil Bullen has been on this for a while and you know, he's starting to show what he can do. And for me, Jake Malksham's done more than what I thought he was capable of doing too. So this is an interesting point. You've mentioned a lot of players on the list that have either 
risen in stock or kind of proven you wrong to an extent. Yeah. Is this is this standard what Melbourne is capable of, or is this standard showing that Melbourne's list is overperforming in this period and they will regress back to the mean to what they what this list should actually be doing? Oh no, because still some, they've got some really good players. I mean, Petraka still hasn't shown what he's got. Hogan's clearly a jet. Um, Gorn's one of the best ruckmen in the comp, probably top three in a comp. Their midfield's really good. Like your Jones, Viney, Oliver. They're all good. Salem adds that polish. They've got a pretty good small defender in Jeddah. Like they've got, they've got the whole, pretty much list. And their bottom six or seven aren't that bad. So you can say, look, they're definitely a premiership contender and they're they're up there, but you still can't trust them. And until they get over their little mental scars that they've had for a long, long time, I know Richmond have done it and Doggy's done it, but can Melbourne do it? Yep, and that leads us to my last point here: long-term predictions, season predictions, and, and our most important. The gambling trustability. Where do you see Melbourne? So this season, they're going to be a top four team, you reckon? Well, you look at their fixture because they finished. So as we know, the AFL, how the AFL fixture works because they finished, you know, ninth or tenth last year. Ninth or tenth? They finished ninth by. Yeah, sorry. Can't do. Come on. Oh my! How can you forget that storyline? That's that's one of the Melbourne scars. They didn't they didn't beat up on teams enough last year. They lost now they're going, Melbourne now twice. They're, now they're going out and, yeah. and beating teams by 125 points, so they know that they won't finish eighth. Yeah, that's right. Anyway, um, yeah. So they've got a softer draw because if you finish mid to lower end of the table, you get a softer draw. Like Collingwood has at the moment, like Richmond did last year. Like you get a softer, yeah. softer draw. So they're getting that and good on them. Like they're going to play. Some more, like I said, they should win the next two. They should beat us and Doggies. Yeah. So that, you know, they should finish top four with their draw. If not, they'll definitely finish top six. They should make finals. Yeah. Whether they can win it, I don't know. So you don't trust them to win finals because of that, because of these scars they haven't quite yes. gotten over yet. No, that's fair enough. Just asking. Long term, they would be in your next bracket of teams to win the Premiership based on their list. And week to week, gambling trustability. Still don't Do we trust write, them. We're not going to ride this wave? No, GWS went to the top of my shit list yeah. and, and Melbourne dropped down about third or fourth out of five. So, so you're happy to turn your back on cash yeah. just to not have to deal with watching Melbourne games and getting frustrated and throwing the remote at Yeah, because they, they keep burning me too. So, yeah, GWS gone straight to the top. Uh, St Kilda is still second. And, uh, yeah, Melbourne is sitting at fourth. So they've got a couple of... T- they need a couple of things to go right and obviously a few other teams have pissed me off where they drop off. Yeah. Who's in third then? Sorry? Who's in third on your shit list? Um, Richmond at the moment. Oh, there we go. Interesting one. We'll get onto that later after, on in the After point. their debacle in WA. Yep. No, that's fair and, enough. And not covering the line at North Melbourne. So talking of teams that have disappointing us now, we're off to the hospital ward. In the ward, needing some repairs. And pretty immediately, if they want to play finals again this year, Hawthorne, they're currently 10th, 5-5, five and five, 104.8%. Their last win was in round seven against Essendon. They beat them by 23 points. Their last five weeks, however, they beat St Kilda in Tasmania. That's no big no big deal. They beat Essendon at Ehad. They lost to Sydney by eight at the MCG in a game where they had, I think, like 30 more inside 50s. Uh, they lost to Brisbane by 56 at the Gabba. They were, they were pretty much listless. And they lost last week to West Coast in a game where they were close, they only lost by 15, but they never really looked like getting it done. Yeah, it looked like West Coast were playing that game in second or third game, yeah. really. So, on top of that, they've had a bit of a rough patch in terms of their on-field performances. There's been a lot of weird stuff going off the field as well, including this that was published on the Hawthorne Football Club website from their president, Mr. Kennett. 
He said, letter to members, a tough task ahead. Vague thing to put out halfway through the season. But uh, the last two weeks have not been great, and they are now history, and we must focus on the rest of the season, starting with Sunday's game before they lost to West Coast. As you have seen, the coach is investing in some of our younger players to give them game time and experience, and it's important to keep introducing fresh players to our side. Alistair's mission is to deliver us the next piece of silverware, and he continues to be bold in investing in our players. To deliver on our current mission of 2050, that is seven more premierships by 2050, 33 years from now, including this year, we need to win one premiership every 4.7 years. A slightly faster rate than since our name change in 1943, but slightly slower than when we won our first premiership in 1961. Since then, we have been winning premierships at a rate of one every 4.3 years, let's just say four. What? Why would the president send that out? Halfway well, through a well, season? Alistair Clarkson himself put his future at Hawthorne under a cloud by what he said in the media as well. So, so there's some funny stuff going on down there, and I think that plays in part with all this. And Is it just coincidence that it's about four years since they won their last premiership? Not quite, but getting up to that period now. And Is, it, is, can it just, is this just a fill-in, some, some information to the members, or is this a bit of presidential politics playing out, uh, saying maybe this guy needs to move on? I don't, I, I don't really know, and I don't want to... I don't want to think about it. I just it, it starts to stink, really. And I've more gone what's happening on field and yep, not where enough. they're going wrong. Absolutely. And I've gone back to the draft board. Obviously, uh, on the couch, listening to us last week about how why JWS have fallen about part with the whole uh, where they've picked up players and what's going on because they went with it as well on Monday night. So I've given you some stuff here as well on the couch. How many first round draft picks do you think Hawthorne have had since 2010? If, if including 2010, so in the last eight drafts, how many first round draft picks have they had? There wouldn't be many because they've been winning too many premierships. Correct. So maybe three or four. They've had two. Yeah. So well, they've actually had three. Isaac Smith was in 2010, and they had two in 2015 with Ryan Burton, who's played 33 games. Mm-hmm. And Kieran Lovell has played two. And like they were bottom they were late first round yeah. picks. Pick nine and pick twenty two. They haven't had a first round pick outside those two years. So 2010, 2015. They've traded them out to pick up players like, you know, James Frawley and Tom Mitchell and Jaeger O'Meara and, and those sorts of things, which is which is fine because, you know, they're winning flags then, they're getting experienced players in to win more flags. But I think where they're gonna hurt now is they've had lots of, you know, third and fourth round selections, lots of rookie selections. They gave up a fair bit for Mitchell and, and Jaeger O'Meara. But you can't tell me, apart from Mitchell, and, you know, Roughhead's a, a very, very good player and stuff still, but he's getting on the right, he's getting a bit older. McAvoy's, you know, 28, 29 as well. Isaac Smith and, and Bruce have been playing good footy, but when they've been tagged the last few weeks, their, their output's been down. Yep. I can't see... Where, where the next good players are coming from. So for me, I, th- I think you, Sisler's obviously a Jet. Um, Tim O'Brien can be a decent player, but I think he needs a lot more help. Segler showed a little bit on the weekend, uh, and whether he can, can, you know, he's coming back from a knee. Yeah, take away Mitchell and Amira, and obviously Rioli's missing, and you know, even he's, you know, his output's been down, and obviously he's had a few injuries and problems there. But I just really don't think their list has enough quality and as much of a good... Clarkson's a great coach and that's probably why they've been able to stay close to teams and win games and stuff. But I think they're also a bit slow, which we said about them 
when Brisbane knocked them off. They need to go back and, and really restock their player list, their, their team, really, because and they need to go back to the draft. And I think this year will be the first year they probably keep their first-round selection, which will be you know around 10 or 11, depending on where they finish on the ladder. They need to go back, and they might look to trade out a few players that have got some currency, because this year's draft's obviously really strong. Mm. You want to get into it. So, yeah... I'd be I'm a bit worried about their their drafting from the last year. Obviously, they've been successful, so they haven't had the top end talent come in. But they've also given up a lot of picks to get in mature talent, and now it's starting to come out the other side. So, I think they could be you know they'll still be competitive, and whether Alistair Clarkson wants to hang around and and you know rebuild for the next one, or whether he wants to go up to GWS, or whether he wants to retire altogether, or whatever he wants to do. But I think he needs to go right over like. Kenneth said, we need to start to look at the kids we've got on our list because I reckon they could turn over a fair few players this year, I think, at the end of the year. On the field as well, you mentioned Segler. I've picked out some kind of just weird things that are happening this season and maybe things they can look to fix to maybe snag a final spot. Maybe they don't want to, but I think whenever you can, you should try and play finals. Two rucks. So the, the only team that's really succeeding with two rucks at the moment is West Coast with Lyset and Nick Nat. And Nick Nat doesn't really count. Because he's not, he's not, he's a ruckman. He's, he plays ruck, but he's not. A, he's like he's fast. He can jump. He can tackle. Like he's not really. He doesn't really play as a ruck. Would you argue that Collins playing with two rucks? But again, with Bundy, he's in that knickknack category of being a very. He's almost a midfielder. Yeah, that, but he, that he wins rucks. lots of. He wins lots of taps and taps to advantage. Hmm. Yes, to advantage. But, but you can play a, a ruck with him, without him costing you. So yeah. you could play the ruck, the second ruck, and Grundy on at the same time. Well, last it's more mobile sort of player as well. Hmm. So, but when you're yeah. playing Segler and Big Boy McAvoy, yeah, that's pretty much a fifty-fifty split then. Yeah. So, as a tactic, should they should they continue with that, or should they go and do what most other teams are doing and play one main ruck and then the pinch hitter? Well, Segler played a right forward for a bit. Like again, it was his first game back. Look, Just I, when you say that the team's slow already, yeah, it is carrying two, two ruckmen. Yeah, it makes it slower. Yeah. So they. Look, for me, I, I think you should be playing as many kids and see what they got. Because I really think they could be doing a Carlton, not 42 players, but they could get rid of 10 or 11 this year. Yeah. Because you go through the last few years of drafting, not many of them have played. If they have, they've played two or three games. That's going back to 2014, 2015. Hmm. They've still got players on their list. They've played less than 10 games. They've been on the list for four or five years. So where where are they at with those players? Like, if, they, if they're good enough, surely they would have played by now a lot more. And I know, you know, we talk about culture and those clubs, you know, they, they let players stay on the list for two or three years to... Earn their spot. Earn yeah. their spot. But at the same time, they've got no quality, so surely these boys have earned their spot by now. So, you know, Miles has been playing decent footy for the VFL. Does he get a go now? You know, Segler was, was playing good footy in the VFL. He got a game. Yeah, I'll... Is McAvoy or Segler got trade value? I don't think McAvoy probably does unless you're a GWS, you think you're in a premiership window, maybe you go after him for two or three seasons. Do a Collingwood Darren Jolly. But so is, is it worth keep playing to see what what, what you can get, get for, for him? him? Yep. But then I think it'd be stupid of GWS to give up a you know, probably a second round pick for a ruckman for two seasons, but you know, That would be just continuing what they've done anyway. Yeah. So. Who knows? But yeah, so Look, you just got to keep throwing it around, and they're slow, so they obviously need—they really need um, Rioli back and, and Poppy firing as well, and 
maybe adjusting Isaac Smith's role so he's not getting so much footy and relying on the inside mid to get it to him and so he can't get shut down as easy. Roughhead maybe take him back for a bit and maybe put Sisley forward. I know Sisley's been great back, but maybe he needs to go back forward and help O'Brien out. I, I, yeah. I, so you I, mentioned that, and that comes into my second point. With the KPIs this year, it's been quite strange because they've won a lot of things and then they've been dominated in other things. So the major glaring ones are, are clearances. So in the last five weeks, they've been minus six in clearances, and that's with a team that has a very good Ruckman in, in Big Boy and you've got Mitchell in there as well. A lot of teams are double-teaming Mitchell around stoppages yeah. now, so he can't get the footy. So that's an issue that doesn't quite make sense in the sense of what, the talent you've got and where it is. You should be kind of halving that clearance, and they haven't. The other one is uh, inside 50 efficiency, so they're minus 17% on the teams that they play. So they, they kind of, they've won, they were inside 50s, they won by 24 against Sydney, and they were had more against Brisbane and West Coast. But yeah, they were they were severely less efficient inside fifty. So again, is it move that signal for uh, move Sicily forward? Is it something that's happening in the midfield, or is it more just they don't have the talent there? Like they got, got Poppy out, they've got Rioli yeah, out. And Gunson, you know, Gunson should maybe go back to the goal square. You know, he's been he plays up pretty high. I don't think they have got the forwards. Like you know, like I said, Ruffy's pretty much playing a lone hand in there, but it. I love Ruffy, but he's a bit, he's getting a bit on. He's a bit slow. He's not he's not the he hasn't got the running capacity that most forwards have. And I said this about Tomahawk, and then Tomahawk comes out and kicks bags. But Tomahawk had you watch Tomahawk now with no big sav and see what happens with him. You know, you know Buzzers coming in for Geelong. We'll talk about him, I suppose, a bit later. But yeah, he hasn't got that support. So does he go back and you know his sister goes forward? Or does his sisters go forward and they just rely on a brand and someone else you know for all his back and throw a few kids down there, see what they got, put Burton back down there and see what he's got if he's if he's fit and firing. Yeah, I, I really... Because I think that's the strategy because they're getting the inside 50s. So it's not that they're getting scored against heavily so you can probably try a, a Sicily up for, try something different and go, how can we capitalise on those inside 50s as opposed to worrying about stopping getting scored against? Yeah. Because you're going like, to lose more games. They're losing those games by, you know, single-digit margins that they would have won in the last couple of years. Yeah, I don't want to tell Clark how to do his job because he's one of the best, and yeah. that's probably a bit gun shy here because <laughs> I really, I really have a lot of respect for him. But yeah, I, I, I don't see him winning this week against Port, and I, yeah, I just think they're on the decline a bit. So to round out the same questions for this season, long term, and the gambling trustability, what have we got? Won't make finals, won't win the flag, and. If they play low teams, maybe. If they play quick teams, definitely not. And then long term, where's their window? They've just gone past midnight. They're, 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 they're closed. They're back out to they're, AMs. They're, they're early, out. early mornings. Early mornings. Pre sunrise. Yeah. Pre sunrise workout. Before we head to our round eleven previous, on a check in with the kitty, and it's looking pretty good. So round 10 results, we got 5 out of 8 correct. We missed GWS, and we probably should have listened to ourselves. We go back and listen to our analysis and watch how they played. We pretty much nailed it. We just didn't trust Essendon. Yeah. We should have just listened and realised that the Giants are in deep, deep doo-doo, and I think it's going to continue this week. Uh, we missed Adelaide, and again, it's because we don't trust Melbourne, so apologies on that one. Melbourne games, you're going to probably have to go somewhere else for AR. Unbiased, no, we'll because, be biased. because we'll be Baz, biased. Baz, Baz, Baz is, be Baz is biased. scarred. He's scarred. I'll be biased. You will be biased. Exactly yeah. right. Yeah. So you're not going to tip on Melvin. 
Oh, no, I tip Melbourne this week, but I'm not going to. It's not a punting perspective game. No. We also missed North Melbourne, and they're all three are games that involve teams where clearly they're in a, they're in a very strong patch, but you just you just can't grapple with yourself to go. Let's back him in. So apologies for that, but five out of eight is usually good enough. You know that six out of nine is usually good enough to keep you up near the leaders of your tipping comps. More importantly, though, best bet West Coast got up. Boom. They did a number on the Hawks. We said they would do it. Tickety, tickety, boom. Best bets are now 8 out of 13 for the season. We're plus 27.85% return on investment. That's tickety, boo. That's really, really good stuff. Claps for us. Values in roughies last week. We had two crosses. We missed out on uh, Adelaide to win, obviously. Got massively done by Melbourne. And our old uh, Mitch Duncan. Got 28, I think. 28 out of the 30 required. And another bloke that went quiet in the last quarter. It's, it's seriously three times this year we've had, or four times, sorry, I've you know done a posies bet, and three quarter of times they're going new beauty. Got it's this absolute wrapped, moral. He needs yeah, to touch it four up, more times or five more times with Daniel Cripps, uh, Yo, etc. And uh, they decide to not get anywhere near it. Yeah, so, they got they just clock off early. And they they must know I've got money on it or something. They just it really shit. Really pisses me off. The good news, though, is we are still 6 from 18 on values and roughies this year for a massive 40.3% return on investment, which is huge. The best thing about the roughies is they are roughies, so when they get up, they cover you for ages. Combined, yeah, in between the two, as we said, feature bets each and every week. Get on them. Focus on them. Earmark those parts of the podcast. Check us out on the socials. We will try and get you something each week. That's uh, nice to brag about, at the very least, with your mates down at the Yorkshire. Still no multi, but it's coming. We have I had can one. Feel it. We had a $5 multi. doesn't really count. So. It's still coming. It's still coming. That's okay. The proper one. <laughs> Round 11 preview. Friday night kicks off with an absolute blockbuster. And when you say blockbuster, I could actually excuse you for not watching this game. Sydney are $1.03 favourites against Carlton. $12.50 outsiders at the SCG on a Friday night. The line here is 55 points. I think that line's a bit too generous. Yeah, like Carlton aren't that bad. They'll, they'll, they're okay against Shalong. They will obviously terrible against Melbourne. They went missing. They're also missing a few players that game. Mm. And that was only probably the last half they would stink. They stunk it up. They were pretty good against Geelong for most of it. Uh, Cripps carried them. He's playing some good footy. Fifty-five points where you know Sydney don't really ever really thump anyone, do they? Especially not at the SCG. They don't really thump anyone. No, and the SCG is going to help Carlton, surely. Yeah, Cripps. especially Cripps around the congested footy. So yeah, uh, you know Carlton have a few players. You know, no injury. Well, not injury worries, but they've got. Pretty much a full list to pick from. The part like main players, you know what I mean. Like, yeah, there's, yeah, no, yeah. there's no, there's uh, no. Obviously, obviously, Mark Murphy's out. But are you angling for a little upset here? Oh no, no, definitely not. Sydney, <laughs> Sydney, Sydney win. Don't get me wrong, but I don't think I don't think the line will get covered. Fifty five points. So I'm probably gonna have a play here at something else. But I, I wouldn't be I, if if I was gonna have just one player, I'd probably go. Carlton at the line because it's 54 and a half points yeah. it's a big margin to cover if you're feeling a little bit greedy as well you can go Carlton at the line and an in-game multi with the unders because the under, under over for this one's 164 yeah so so that's 
that that would realistically require you know eighty each. Not going to happen from Carlton's point of view, I don't think. And Sydney don't usually score that much higher than eighty either. So yeah, you know. So if you look at average points scored and average points against, that line should not be covered. No. But I also found something else with a few few more dollar redos in there. Okay. More than three bucks? It's more than three bucks. Okay, here we go. So Carlton should score between 61 and 75 points. That's going to be very specific. If you go to- home and away total much points. Yeah. 61 to 75 points for the game. It's a margin of 15 points. Yep. That's all right. That's you look at what they've been scoring. Already. They average nine goals nine. Yep. Three dollars seventy five. Yep. Sydney's defence is pretty good. It's been a pretty tight game. I think that's a pretty good bet for for, for this game. Oh, that or Carlton at the line. Okay. The only other nugget here is uh, Lance Franklin averages five and a half goals per game against Carlton. Well, Jones is his not. And he loves playing on Liam Jones. <laughs> so, buddy, to kick five or more is two dollars fifty. That's a pretty good bet. But he hasn't really been... Oh. Yeah, but he hasn't played on Liam James yet, has he this, has he this year? No, he hasn't. But you, you got to worry about that, don't you? I don't know. I think Liam James goes to bed and checks under his bed for Buddy before he goes to sleep because <laughs> he is Liam James' boogeyman. Uh, oh, yeah, I, I suppose. At the end of the day, it's probably not a great game to bet on. There's not a lot of options there. And it'll be another weekend of people saying, why was this scheduled on a Friday night? The reality is, it just is. Cop it sweet. Watch it. You'll see some good players. You'll see some young guns. You'll see Buddy do some magical things. Just enjoy the footy. And uh, yes, the realistic one there is probably Carlton to cover the 55 points. Well, the other one is, uh, so I, I spoke about this before, Ladbrokes do a um, like score under over for each team. Mm-hmm. So Carlton have got 53.5 points. Over is $1.80. So you, I you, would... Almost put my house on it that Carlton will go over 53 points. Wow. So a dollar eighty is pretty good going. And like I said, 61 to 75 points, $3.75. That's where I'd be heading. And then the line, which is 54. So that's... I reckon you could get a few little cheeky fill-ups here on the Friday night for the rest of the weekend. And then once you fill up on Friday night, Saturday will be underway with the big one. The Bulldogs versus the Demons... Doggies are hosting, but they're $4.75 outsiders against the Demons, who are $1.19. You'd never see in that short. That's because everyone's up and about the old high-flying flags. Already had the line here is 32.5 points. This is some crazy stuff in this game. So some key stats here. The Dogs, in second halves... Can't score. Can't score. They have a percentage in second halves of 60%. The Ds are at 240%. In second halves. Uh, the overs have gone off in four of the last five Demons games, and the Doggies haven't covered the spread since round five. You're going to have a dip on the Demons, or are you going to tip in a win? Tip in a win, they should they should cover the line at 33, just because, or 32 and a half, just because Doggies can't score. So, mm. and they should have too much firepower up forward for the Dogs. I mean, we saw that last week with Collingwood. When Collingwood got the game going and, you know, Really, it opened up a bit. They had too much for them going forward. And I think the unders in the 176.5, just because, you know, realistically, Doggies probably score 60 points. Mm-hmm. So will Melbourne keep the foot down? You know, they've done it five weeks in a row. They've had the foot down. Surely it gets to a point where Goodwin goes, all right, we're going to win six in a row. We're traveling all right. Let's put a few bikes on ice here. Spend a bit more time on the bench. 
bit of bath water drinking time might be unders. But I'd be I'd be pretty confident with the. See, I had penciled the other way. I'd picked out a Melbourne to score more than one hundred and twenty is three dollars fifty. Oh yeah, I was. But my best bet for the week is Melbourne to win. Is uh, no Melbourne to win the fourth quarter by eight and a half or more. That's probably a good bet. Because again, just the Bulldogs are just dropping off. They've got no legs in the second half. Yeah. So and they can't score a goal and a half and they, and yeah. they won't improve in a week, or the last two weeks and what that, what's happened no so. and there's no chance of whether they're getting involved it's at Eddie Had so the flat track bullies in inverted commas of the demons should do a number here and they should run them all the way through get on that in the fourth quarter probably the sliding doors game of the weekend is Saturday 2-10 Hawthorne are outsiders in Tassie $1.94 versus Port Adelaide $1.86 the line is basically non-existent at one and a half. It's 10th versus 9th. It's pretty much battle for finals. Port have had the week off. They're heading down south as favourites. Is that right, Baz? Yeah, bloody oath. I've watched well, Port are a better team than Hawthorne, surely. You'd say so, yeah. And if you watch the game against St Kilda, Hawthorne were pretty lucky early that game that St Kilda's kicking woes were terrible because mm. they should have been 5 five or six goals down and probably wouldn't have, would have struggled to bring it back. They're not the same Hawthorne that have been playing there. Port have been going all right. They get back from China. They've had a week off. they prepared for this game. They need to keep winning. And I think they win and they should win comfortably. And the line's only a dollar and a half, so you get an extra six or seven cents if you back the line. I'll take the line. she get a bit more odds. And I don't know, no idea what the weather's like, but it's probably going to be a crap day in Hobart like it always is. So unders 166. There you go. So a uh, couple of other stats that feature in here. Power, the best clearance team, or one of the best clearance teams in the comp. They average 41 clearances per game. They're going to smash Hawthorne at the source. Will they smash them on the scoreboard, though? My play here was uh, Port Adelaide to win 1-39, which gets you $2.37. Yeah, you can probably take that. Like It's going to be a pretty... Uh, it's gonna be f- like 12 degrees there on Saturday. So you wouldn't see them winning by 40 or more. Yeah, it's going to be, you know, it's probably a bit windy, no rain, but it's going to be an interesting day, isn't it? So, yeah, they might struggle in by 40 or more. You know, Hawthorne have, have generally had their losses pretty close, except for obviously Brisbane. They haven't been really blown away by anyone, and that's because Clarko is such a good coach. He'd be prepared, he, he would have set them up for this because, you know, with all the media stuff, and they'll probably come out pretty hard. So I do like the 1 to 39. Saturday twilight time. We're going to Gold Coast. They're playing at home. They've been everywhere. They've been to China before they get to play at home this year. They're hosting Geelong. They're outsiders though. Three dollar fifty-five versus Geelong. Here a dollar thirty. The line here twenty-one and a half. The main story is always the main story that is happens when these two teams face off. Gary it's all Ablett. about little Gary Ablett. When really he's he's a B story to this. Are the Suns a chance at all? I reckon they are. Because. The Cats haven't been great. No, they haven't. I reckon Suns are a dead set chance. And Big Easy dropping out with the injury. That's the th- that- that's gonna that's gonna muck up their forward line. When he was when Big E was out there giving the chop out to the Tomahawk, let him be more physical and less aerobic. It means that he yeah, he can wrestle, he can do all the things he's good at. Now he has to be the solo big man up front. And and, and Lynch is back. And Lynch is back. So you think this could be a lot closer than what those those odds suggest. Well so Geelong obviously at the start of the year Geelong were the easiest team to score against because the defence isn't great no so they've slowed down the ball movement they're kicking a lot more everything's slow 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 so they're not gonna they're not gonna score a lot 
Uh, and and it, that just leaves the game open for an opposition team. So it's a bit... They're not going to put teams away. Like, even against Collingwood, they dominated, didn't put us away. If a team gets a jump on them early, it's going to be hard for them to open it, to open it back up to win. Uh, and not, even against Carlton on the weekend, like six or seven points in the second quarter, it easily could have put more scoreboard pressure on Geelong. For me, this game definitely goes unders. It's yeah. really a, you know, Gold Coast generally in the, those uh, afternoon sort of twilight games, the ball gets a bit dewy and, st- and stuff like that down there. Geelong will be playing slow, style footy. Uh, Gold Coast might have a sniff. I'd be backing the unders in this game because Geelong will yeah, lock it down and just try and win with their better, more mature midfielders. And yeah, it'd be interesting to see how they line up, up for it. If, you know, obviously Tomahawk and Wildly Buzzers rumoured to be playing. Whether you know Reece Stanley plays four with Smith or what they do, but yeah, Gold Coast four line could be a bit after a week off. You know, Ainsworth and all those boys, Ferroni and you know Tom Lynch, Jack Martin, those sorts of guys. So they could be a bit more, a bit too dangerous for Geelong up forward. But it's not something I'm willing to risk it on at the moment. I want to see Gold Coast. Yeah, do it first, and then yeah. we can use it as a trend line. But yeah, Anna's a pretty good player, I reckon, on that. And just traditionally, as you said, those that time slot. And then these type of matchups, where they have been kind of four goal outsiders, it's a classic Collingwood Gold Coast game. Yeah. Where these games always ended up being, you know, 80 played, 60, and it was already pretty close. So, good call that on the unders. Heading down Saturday night at the MCG. Watch it on telly if you can't get a ticket, because it's already going to be sold out. Dreamtime at the G, the biggest Dreamtime in probably its 13-year history. Richmond are still a benchmark team in the comp. Don't read too much into the Melbourne hype. Don't read too much into the Eagles hype. They're still the benchmark. Essendon need something to match up against. Can they lock in their finals hopes against the Tigers? Can they prove the doubters wrong? No. Can they stand up and ride this momentous wave of emotion and form change and keep their fans happy? Kevin Kevin Sheedy's just been announced as a legend at the Hall of Fame. That's good. He played at Richmond. Yeah, he, was, he was, you know, 20-year coach, though, at Essendon. Oh, so, He's a bomber. So is, who cares? No. No, Richmond win. They win, by, they, they, they'll cover this line. They'll be, they've been pretty poor last few weeks, Richmond. I think they've been waiting for something like this, just to get them back up in the spotlight again, you know. They've played a few, they've played away game. Uh, they played against St Kilda at some MCG, which, you know, they, they could have won in second gear, to be honest. Yeah. And they, you know, you've got to go a bit of a fight there, and they just put the foot down for a bit, and it was get done. And this game, big game, big, you know, 90,000 is what they love. You know, I think you're missing one player with injury from last week. Apparently, Rewalt's going to be right to play. And Essendon, you know, yet they've had a great two weeks. They're playing a bit different footy. They've, so it, last year, if you listen to us last year, I have an Essendon every week about their tackles yes. and efforts. And this year, the first seven weeks, they've been horrible at it as well. And this is why we said the Essendon will be nothing more this year than a than a hype story because they don't have that uh, ferociousness about them. They don't win the hard stuff. They don't like doing the hard stuff. They're not they're tough. They're not tough. But, you know, what Devin Smith can you know, hold his head high and Heppel as well. They're actually, the last two weeks, their tackle numbers we haven't seen from them. They're for, plus 50 in the last two weeks. Yeah, which is... In un- tackles compared to their opposition. Yeah, which is unbelievable for a team that... for last- That's Richmond-esque. That's, that's insane, like, unselfish, yeah. tackle first, defence first, pressure rack. Which we haven't seen. Crazy but- manic football. When have you seen Essendon do that? Never. Yeah, so, 
it's interesting to see see how they can change that in two weeks. And I, I still wonder if it's all been a bit mental. So whether you know worst falls built this like you know walls us first them kind of thing, which will be see what happens against Richmond because I reckon Rich the first half will be intense, be hard at it, and then Richmond just run over the top of them, win by about five six goals, maybe even more. And yep. then we'll see where Essendon are really at the week after. Yeah, I'm down with that. Again, Richmond are still the best finishing side in the comp, so they've won 7 out of 10 final quarters this season. Essendon have won just three. So again, that overrun at the end is, is being backed up by the trends and the stats. Some prop bets. You can get Dustin Marnig at 30-plus for $2.75, which is quite, quite large for a guy that gets that many stats all the time. Uh, in his last three games against the Bombers, he's got seven Brownlow votes, including two best on grounds. Big game. He's been a bit quiet. This could be a little dusty break out there for something extra to play on. But I think, yeah, Richmond had cover. The over-under at a 165. Do you see that going over? Oh, I didn't even look at that. I just thought I saw the line of about 20 points and went Richmond should cover that. Yeah, absolutely. So I had Richmond to cover an over at three bucks, but you could just take the dollar ninety two and play it safe on a Saturday. The other Saturday game is uh, nowhere near as interesting, so make sure you're tuned in to Channel 7 if you're living in Melbourne. West Coast are $1.04. Absolute morals against St Kilda, $11.50. They've slid to Carlton-like odds now this this stage of the season. They're down at the uh, the Lightfield Stadium that is Optus Stadium. The line here is another 53.5 points. This could be an absolute massacre. I looked at this and went, I could take the line. Well, that's what I was about to say. So, if you listen to us regularly, we know when we get about the 40, 50 points, we're a bit gun shy of the line. We stay away, but. But with no Carlisle and the way the West Coast are playing, only West Coast get going through this game. It'd be like Richmond last week in second gear and maybe resting a few blokes could stop them from covering this line because they should be covering it. Like, who's going to who's gonna stop the West Coast four line? Who's going to stop West Coast midfield? Who's going to go with Nick Nat and Lysette? Their back line is holding up strong. Who's going to kick the goals for St Kilda? So, again, this could be an absolute shellacking for... Well, if West Coast point. goes up full ball, it's, they were just, they're just too good. Like So they have five players in the player ranking top 100. Yep. Darling and Gaff aren't in the top 100 yet. And Darling's having a... Like, Darling's getting compared to Wayne Carey. <laughs> I don't think he's been that good, but... but that's, that's what yeah, people are saying. Yeah. It's King-esque. Self-imposed nickname too, by the way. Wow. When he first came to the club, he called himself the king. There you go. How mm-hmm. about that for yeah. uh, some bollocks? And uh, Gaff as well, just on the outside of that cuss. So they've, they've got the top, essentially the top third of their team. It's in the top 100 in the comp. It's just absolutely stacked. They should be flying high. They should be smashing the Saints. And it just is like a case of will they keep the foot to the floor at home? I think they do. But I'm not going to take on a 50-point line. I'm I'm almost tempted to say it's money for jam, but again, you just don't know what the lineups going to be come tomorrow night. Whether West Coast and rest, maybe call out a late out here and there. But yeah, I have a really bad feeling about this. This could go back to a couple of years ago when you know West Coast won by 103 points. In fact, there's been a couple of times where you know St Kilda have gone over there and copped an absolute belting. Last year they didn't. They they kept it pretty close. They only lost by twenty odd points, and they scored a few. But that was a bit different. I uh, is I, there a case here that West Coast need to win this by plenty, 
with teams like Melbourne doing numbers on teams, Richmond doing numbers on teams early in the season to get that home funnel double chance? Are they looking at this and being like, we need to make sure that this is a 60-plus well, point? If West Coast finish top two, they should they should make the granny. Mm. That's yeah, that's what I'd be. If I was Simpson, that's what I'd be looking at. Going, all right, we're top two. We get guaranteed home finals. Mm. And then we play on the MCG grand final day. That's, you know, even myself coaching, I'm thinking top two because I just want to make sure I get the best chance of making the granny. And that's, you get a second chance and you get probably, probably get a home final. So, yeah, and they should be thumping. And another one where St Kilda, the unders overs for them, total score for the game is 53 points. You'd probably think they average about uh, 60 something points a game. So again, maybe sixty-one seventy-five. That's three dollars thirty. Whatever you can get on Kennedy or Darling being leading goal scorers. Again, if you can do some um, bookmakers book, are giving book, you uh, the the double threes or yeah, double fours. Double, yeah, if they get you know three or more, four or more. Some of the bookies have that. Have a look at that because they'll have a field day, and yeah, this could be an absolute blowout. Or even the overs, one sixty, one seventy points. I can see, seriously, West Coast kicking 120, 130 here. It's just whether uh, St Kilda can kick 10 goals. Yep. And eight, eight goals to 10 goals. So after the blowout on Saturday night, Sunday sees the underrated still North Melbourne hosting Brisbane at Etihad Stadium. North are $1.24 favourites. Brisbane, four dollars 10 outsiders. The line here is 27 and a half. And I think that's unfair to the Lions. I think the Lions... They are the best last place team ever. I was about to say, is, is this is this an upset game? Well, they've proved it before. They took down Hawthorne at home. They don't mind playing at Eddie Hat. Yeah, they're the, the young Lions. They've been okay. They play the doggies there. Where you know they probably should have again should have been closer. St Kilda round one. They probably should have won that one as well. Yeah, and it's just their ball use has been hurting them, and the, the style of the game style they play could actually hurt North a lot more than what it does for, say, a Hawthorne because North are a very well-organised team, so if they get the ball moving quickly and break the lines, they're going to have, you know, they're going to cause a bit of chaos for North Melbourne's defence. And they've got the players to do it. It's just whether they can string it together for multiple weeks at a time. That's probably my only concern is they've been good now for three or four weeks. It's a very young team. A lot of senior players standing up, and it's probably the same for North. Mm. A lot of the senior players standing up and the young blokes have been okay, but... But I can see, I can potentially see Brisbane winning this. So maybe Brisbane at the line, 27 and a half. Yep, I had that penciled in, Brisbane to cover. I also have my roughie coming from this game. So trend lines, and I've been really into my quarter-by-quarter quarter, uh, margins this season. I've been laughed at by a few of our subscribers, but they've paid off more often than not. So uh, the Lions aren't a very good opening quarter team. We mentioned that in our coach's corner a couple of weeks ago. I think it's by design. Fagan likes to suss out the oppo and then react. Yep. So, whereas North have been a very strong first quarter team, trying to lead at the front and then kind of tail off. Again, because of their lack of speed, I think it's easier for them to defend at the back end of a game than it is to attack. Yep. Conversely, Brisbane have been uh, amazing in their last six, winning the last quarter. And North are fading out in games. So my roughie here is that North win the first quarter by six and a half or more, but Brisbane win the fourth quarter. That's paying six bucks. And then anything you ta- are going to take Brisbane to cover, or are you going to leave that one alone? I'd probably Brisbane to cover, but yeah, I'm, I'm tipping. I'll probably go to safe 
safe option and tip north, but yeah. I wouldn't be surprised at all if Brisbane get up here. There you go. That's a very soft cover for Brisbane there from Baz. Very important game for the man next to me, Sunday, the prime time, 3.20. Collingwood are hosting Fremantle. Collingwood, $1.21 favourites. No Sandy. No Sandy. You beat up on the Bulldogs last week, and uh, Fremantle can't travel. They can't They're score. 4.45 outsiders. The line here, 30.5 points. I think that's a bit the generous. The old five goals. It's a bit generous. For the superstar juggernauts that are the Magpies. The Fremantle, a bit like the Dolly, has been struggling to score a bit. Uh... Michael Walters came out today and put a bit on uh, old Cam McCarthy, telling him he needs to play the structures in his roles. So, used to see how he replies to that. But, yeah, they, look, they've, they've obviously got a few outs. Um, Sounds is now out. Their forward line probably doesn't function that well. And surely, 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 with the likes of Grundy and Cox and our midfield and our forward line being going all right, our defence is going to be right. Wales comes back in. You know, surely we win this. You'd think so. So, scoring had always been the issue for you guys. It's not anymore. The last, since round three, you've averaged 91 points a game, which is fourth in the AFL, and you've reached 100 points on five occasions. So when you think about Fremantle's problems with scoring, you'd say, well, that 30 points probably is a doable one. Yeah, and so would be the unders, I think, 161 in the game. Yeah. I mean, that was pretty... I mean, it'd be very similar to last week, but it's at the MCG with the Doggies game. Obviously, that was the Eddie had. We went unders there, and I think it's going to be the same. I think it's probably the same sort of scoreline. And I think we win by, yeah, five or, five or six goals. If we score about 80, or 80 to 90, they probably score 50, 60 maybe. So, yeah, I think we're... I'm starting to sound like a, Collingwood, a confident Collingwood supporter, but we should really win this one and win comfortably. Yeah. Look out for Fife to have uh, 40 touches. And, no, and Fremantle to six, win. Six goals and, and win by like And a next point. Wednesday, watch me unload on Collingwood. <laughs> and then to round out the week, a very, very important game. Adelaide hosting at 4.40 on a Sunday afternoon, GWS. The line here is 22.5. Adelaide are $1.32 favourites. GWS, that's right. The Silver Spoon Fools are $3.40 outsiders. Last week, we explained why injuries themselves are not the reason why the Giants have been playing at the level of Carlton and Gold Coast. They have been unable to score. Since round five, they have averaged 62 points a game. They haven't kicked 10 goals since round four. They've lost their last five of six at Adelaide Oval. They've never beaten the Crows in Adelaide. They're not going to come back from this, are they? Their season's pretty much done now, isn't it? We also spoke about the discipline against you know North Melbourne when Jeremy Cameron they had a set shot at goal, turned it over and gave a 50-minute penalty. They had all the momentum in that game and going into the last quarter. Uh, I think it was Stewart took a mark deep in the pocket, tough shot at goal. Thomason, for some unknown reason, decides to give him a shove in the back, easy 50-metre penalty. And then you look at some of their efforts as well, you know, from down ground vision and stuff like that, and you just wonder what is going on there. Where's their effort? You know, Essendon can do it, North can do it, Brisbane can do it, Carlton can do it. A team like that should be able to do it. And they mm. just they just not and they can't and they won't. And I think it, Leon Cameron is seriously on borrowed time. He's he's almost out of it all. That's that's and that's scary because there's blokes like Alan Richardson whose team are getting smashed yep. and there's no fire under his bum at the moment. Well that's because they've got no money down St Kilda and the club's a basket case. But that's behind closed doors as well. Like that, the club, St Kilda, is seriously in some issue, has some issues, and 
there's a few people that the AFL are trying now to push in who you know took over at Melbourne and some of those sorts of blokes to try to push into that door to try and get that going as well. But yeah, Adelaide win. I wouldn't touch the line. I definitely go unders. It's one seventy one because GWS can't score. Adelaide are missing too many players to score too heavily. That's where I'd be going. And uh, yeah, maybe that sixty one to seventy five bet could come up again here for GWS. I think three games, you know, teams could score sixty one to thirty five. GWS, St Kilda and Carlton. There you go, Nostradamus borrowing himself here. <laughs> brings us to our feature bets for the weekend, Baz. Did a little bit of pre-planning, as we always do, before the podcast. What have we got here for best value, roughly, and multi? Well, it looks like you've got yours going, so... You happy to go with those? Look, I'm happy for you to, to take the reins this week, if you like. I, I think my best bet would be Port. Yep. At the line, of the dot one and a half, which is $1.02. Yep. Your best bet is Melbourne to win the fourth quarter. So we'll roll with both of those. Yep, Melbourne win the fourth quarter by eight and a half against the Bulldogs at Etihad. And your value is? Port Adelaide to win 1-39 uh, in that game against Hawthorne at Launceston at 2.37. My value would be uh, Carlton, 61-75 match points, $3.75. Nostradamus Baz. My roughie is North Melbourne to win the first quarter by six and a half or more, but Brisbane to win the fourth quarter at Etihad. That gives you $6. Yeah, I'm happy to go with that. I've, I haven't really found a roughie yet. Yeah. I was probably thinking maybe Brisbane win, but I'm happy to go with that. Actually, I've got a roughie for you. Yeah. Take Greater Western Sydney, Carlton, and St Kilda, all to score between 61 and 75 points, and you will get $35. That's my roughie. And our multi is... Unders in the Adelaide GWS game, 170.5. Melbourne at nearly eight and a half to win the last quarter. Port Adelaide to beat Hawthorne and Carlton at the line of 54.5. Gives you $12.55. Which is a nice sweet spot for a multi that's worth bragging about, but not so ridiculous that it probably won't happen. I think Nostradamus Baz breaking his multi drought in round 11 works well in terms of the numerology. That brings us to the end of our What Are The Odds podcast for round 11. Big shout-outs, of course, to the Yorkshire Hotel. If the Nostromus Baz gets up his 35 bucker, that's where you'll be heading. You can shout the bar, you can shout the barman, the barmaid, all of Hoddle Street, all of Abbotsford. You can cover them all. That would be an absolute massive collect. And uh, if you're stuck with things to do and you don't like to look at the games on a Saturday afternoon, make sure you head down to your local footy teams, give them some support. And if you don't have a local footy team, head down and support Old Brighton. Baz will be down there coaching, and the uh, the team's doing all right. Went straight up into the Prems, and they are they're showing them that they deserve to be there. Yeah, well, six and well, seven and one. Sorry, so we take on uh, Collegians this week, which will be a massive test. And uh, the unders take on Hampton, a bit of a bit of a local rival, a bit of a local clash. And just another one for you, a little little Easter egg here, mate. Yep. Golden State Warriors to win four games to one. You get about you get just over three bucks for that. Get around it. If you can multi it up, you need to have LeBron to be the NBA Finals MVP, Cleveland to win seven. Oh, wow. You're kidding me. That pays $64. No.